Owen, it's fine. We're fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. We're fine. Now the Pac-12. They not so fun. Yeah, no, no. Um, it's 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 the end of the road for the Pac-12. This very well. I I, I also go ahead and say this, Cole. This is the last Pac-12 preview that we will ever do here on the Parent Pod. Oh yeah. Um, as a Power Five conference, anyways. Uh, it's the first of the last. It's the beginning of the end. Yep. Here for the Pac-12. R.I.P. Yep. Um, however, let's relish in the moment that all 12 teams are still in the Pac-12. And uh, there is a vote tonight, at currently as we're recording this, on Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. Yeah. Um, there is a vote or a meeting or some, some sort going on in the ACC on whether the ACC will be adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. So we're going we're gonna to find out here. Whether or not that happens. Probably breaking it on the Panther Pod. Maybe. Depending on if the news breaks or not. We'll see if the news breaks. We'll keep an eye on that. Jay, who's in the booth with us, he returns. Shout out Jay Chitwood. Shout out Jay Chitwood. He returns as our producer here in the booth. Um, He's going to be keeping us on the – keeping us uh, on the – not on the down low, but in the loop. He's going to be keeping us in the loop. Yes, thank you, Jay. He he said he'll update us. He's our in-house analyst. Yep. Uh, he, house analyst, that's a perfect, perfect way to go with a Cole. House analyst. But for that, this is the beginning of the end. I'm Owen Spelnick. My name's Cole Connor. And this is the Pac-12 Preview. Sad vibes. Sad, sad vibes. vibes. Really sad vibes. Sad, um, sad vibes. Just and I know we really didn't get into it with the ACC because those are that is also probably the next domino to fall. Yes. Um, but with a conference with as much rich history as the Pac-12 did have and currently has up until the 2024 season, um, I you truly hate to see it as a college football fan. Yeah. Well, that just means like West Coast football as a whole no longer is a thing or it no longer belongs to one conference it used to it's no longer it's it's its sole entity you know um oregon washington usc ucla they're all going to go to the big 10 the four corner schools colorado utah arizona arizona state they all they're going to go to the big 12 um does stanford go independent if they don't go into the acc uh what does cal do what about Washington State and Oregon State? What are they going to do now? You know, so it's going to be it's going to be different. Definitely, I wonder if we get to a point where things get so big that teams start deciding, "Hey, we really hate the travel. Maybe we should start. Maybe we should just create our own conference and uh, go back to the way it was, where we just play regional games." So, a, a little kind of insight into West Coast football, and I'm. I'm not crapping on the programs themselves at this point. I'm really kind of targeting the fan bases here. Um, Owen, if you had to guess when the first appearance by a Pac-12 team was on the 2018 to 2022 attendance ranking, where would you guess? So they did a, they did a five-year study okay. of um, what programs drew the most – fans into their home stadiums okay where do you think the first pac-12 team is um out of 130 teams 
Oh, oh, okay. You're asking me where they placed. Let's see. All right, so I've got two teams that are up there. The the I know the number one team is going to be Oregon. Okay. Nope. It's not Oregon. Is it's it Utah? Not Oregon. It's not Utah either. Interesting. Okay, then no, I I don't know because I was going to say Oregon to me would be the most that brings to the table. Nope. Where does the Pac-12 rank out of 128 schools? 130. 130 schools. Um. Oh, well, individual school. It's okay. not Pac-12 as a conference, and it's the first appearance of a Pac-12 team. 35th. 28th. Okay. USC. Really? Mm-hmm. Over five years? They've been bad the past couple of years. Yep. USC? I always thought Oregon would have had the more. I bet you I know why. It's because they play in the Coliseum, in the L.A. Coliseum. That's yep. why. USC is 28th. Uh, West Virginia is 33rd. I can't believe USC beat, but it's. I bet you it's because Oregon is thirty seventh. Okay. Okay. Utah is fortieth. And I bet you because they're smaller stadiums, so that's why. So USC can hold the Coliseum can hold up to a hundred thousand people. So I bet you that's why USC would be ahead of like WVU and Oregon, even Which though they se- even though they sell out stadiums consistently. It's only their max capacity is sixty five. Yeah. And that's it. So I just wonder if that's if that's why. Well, I mean, you got to think Rose Bowl. You're automatically guaranteed if USC is in it, then you're guaranteed a full sellout game. Yeah, but that's that's UCLA though. Rose Bowl is UCLA. Col- but Coliseum. Well, but think about this: how many national championships have been played at the Coliseum? Yeah. So that that could be that could be it. There is a bowl game I think that is played in the Coliseum. I think I there's a bowl. It was the Rose bowl. No Rose Bowl. It is the Ro- the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl that's over there gotcha, at UCLA. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. UCLA, I um, but I can't. There is a bowl game I think that gets played out in. Uh, the Coliseum. I can't remember, but let's um, let's start the show off with USC then. Okay. okay. Uh, so Lincoln Riley returns. No, Rose Bowl is that's USC. That's not UCLA. Then who plays in the Coliseum? Is it UCLA then? Rose Bowl Stadium is an outdoor athletic stadium located in Pasadena, California. Um, tenth largest NCAA stadium. I'm trying to find who the home team is. Maybe maybe they share a stadium. Maybe it's like the Chargers and the Rams sort of thing. So, oh yeah, it is UCLA and USC. Okay, okay, so they share the stadium. Okay, whatever. That's Either odd. Way, anyway, USC. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but let's let's talk about USC then. So Lincoln Riley is back for his second year in LA. All right, they had a I would say a disappointing, very disappointing end to the season. Caleb yes. Williams gets hurt. Caleb Caleb Williams gets hurt at the end of the season. Heisman winner, Heisman, reigning Heisman, winner. reigning Heisman champ. Uh, atrocious defense. Yes, uh, which is unsurprising for a Lincoln Riley team. Yes, especially when you uh, Alex Grinch. We saw it with Alex Grinch at Oklahoma, and then it just transferred right over to USC. Terrible defense. Could not tackle. I watched that pack. 12 game against Utah and USC. Had Caleb Williams had been healthy, USC had had Utah dead to rights. But because he wasn't healthy and they could not tackle, Utah wins the game. Which in the transfer portal, USC ranks second. And uh, of the nine four-star recruits they had, five of which were defensive players. I want to say that USC ranked in the 120s last year in um, – an FBS for defense. If they can just get to maybe a top fifty defense this year, that offense is explosive. Yeah, it would. It's going to be because you have Jordan Addison, who's also returning, mm-hmm. uh, former Blitnikoff Award winner, stolen from Pitt. 
<clears throat> Sweet Caroline. Um, I almost did a horns down, but that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Not for Pitt. I mean, we can still do, you know, I mean, while we're here. Yeah. Might as well horns, horns down. down for uh, for Texas. But anyways, um, USC, they return uh, – they are pit, they were picked, were picked to finish number one by the preseason in the preseason poll. Uh, they're finished. They're picked to finish number one. Let me find my uh, USC stats here. Here we go. While we're on the subject of defense in USC, a few key names to kind of recognize on the defense for USC: uh, Mason Cobb out of Oklahoma State. Um, one of the best linebackers in the Big 12 last season. Definitely will provide a boost uh, to that defense. You also have uh, Kion Bars out of Arizona and Bear Alexander from Georgia. Uh, both of those players are on the defensive line. Um, the biggest thing that USC lost last year, not named Caleb Williams, um, as far as their defense goes, was uh, Tuli. Oh, Lord. Uh, Tuli Tui Paludu. Interesting. Uh, he was a def- he, interior defensive lineman out of USC. Okay. I'm so sorry for butchering that name. Uh, but also, too, not so they get to keep the quarterback, Caleb Williams, which is a big plus for them. However, they do lose Travis Dye uh, from last year. Travis Dye, he rushed for almost 1,000 yards, 884 yards last year. Uh, he averaged about averaged about six yards a carry. Okay, had nine touchdowns on the season. Did a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, Relic, they do bring back uh, Relique Brown, who was a wide receiver. Uh, they will rely on him a little bit to uh, to carry the ball. But where they're really gonna, you know, hand, pound the rock with or hand the rock off to is uh, Austin Jones. Pound the rock was a real thing, Jay. He lasted us in the studio, but yes, um, from the booth, from the booth. Uh, Austin Jones got 135 carries last year, 700 yards, five touchdowns as well, averaged about five yards. So look for the same production at running back. I don't think they really miss a beat there. Uh, I know they lose Travis Dye, but look for them to kind of kind of bounce back uh, or stay on pace with running back anyways. A key thing, are, um, a key freshman who is going to make an immediate impact for the Trojans, especially with Caleb Williams at the helm, uh, wide receiver Zachariah Branch. Um, he was ESPN's top-ranked wide receiver in the class of 2023. I don't see a reason why uh, he can't make an immediate impact on that Trojan offense, especially uh, in long ball situations. Agreed. And I want to correct myself. Earlier I said that they still had Jordan Addison. I was incorrect. Jordan Anderson went to the went Vikings? To, uh, yes, I think so. He went to the NFL, was drafted. Um, but they do bring in, They do bring back Mario Williams, yeah. who is also an explosive wide receiver that they brought in from Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley left to take the job at USC. Um, so look for those two on the wide receiver end to be explosive. This offense all around just looks to be phenomenal as what they were last year. Never, not missing a beat. I don't expect them to take a step back at all. But what I am curious to see, though, is how does the defense turn out? Okay. Yeah. Like I said, defense here uh, was, I want to say, 100 and maybe not 128th in the country, but they, they certainly weren't, they weren't great. They weren't great. Um, I I am definitely um, 
one of the proponents of defense wins championships. 100%. And I don't think, yeah, it, it's sad when you go to teamrankings.com uh-huh. and all of the overall statistics are um, offense-based because they don't want to show the defense. Yeah. Uh, overall, opponents' points per game, they were 81st in the nation. Uh, yards per game, they were 101st. Uh, points per play, 99th. Yards per play, 119th. Um, yeah, no, truly abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. Um, definitely one of the worst, if not the worst, in the country. Uh, they also bring Bear Alexander onto the defensive line from Georgia. So Georgia wins the national championship. Bear Alexander says, I'm out, and heads back over and heads on to the West Coast to go play for Lincoln Riley and USC. I think my I think we're on the same line of track here or uh, train of thought I think is the best way to say that USC is the clear preseason favorite to win the Pac-12 if and only if their defense holds up I don't think that defense is going to I take that back because we saw what happened with Utah last year um, I think they at least make the Pac-12 championship game. Now, granted, if that defense does not hold up, they could falter in that and miss out on a playoff berth. But I think a lot of people are high on USC, and I don't see a reason why they can't at least repeat that um, championship appearance. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that Washington, for me, is my clear number two. Interesting. Why Washington? 11-win season in first-year coach Kalen DeBoer's first year coaching. Their defense is so good, and they're returning a key starter on their offense, Michael Penix Jr. Yes. Yes. <sighs> Michael Penix Jr., I think, is the Pac-12's um, front runner for Heisman this year, if Caleb Williams does not repeat. Interesting. Not Bo Nix. Not, not Bo uh I've I have said my piece repeatedly about Bo Nix. I think he's too inconsistent. But I think he, I think I don't think he was inconsistent at all last year. I think he showed up and showed no, out every I think, game. I think he improved considerably last year, going from Auburn to Oregon. Correct. I think that the Oregon uh, script and scheme has helped Bonex tremendously, and I think he's going to be a heck of an NFL quarterback. But I think Michael Penix Jr. is more talented than Bonex is, and more consistent overall. You know. I mean, I could see, I, I could see that. However, I will say that Michael Penix Jr. had uh, had eight interceptions last year. Bo Nix had seven. Okay, that's one. That's one less, but they're right around. The, I, I think they're on the same level. Bo Nix had thirty five hundred yards passing. Michael Penix Jr. had a little over forty six hundred yards passing. So without about a thousand difference, if I'm doing that math correct, about nine hundred difference, mm-hmm. nine hundred yard difference. Um, but I think that's just because 
Michael Penix throws the ball a lot more. That Washington offense just throws the ball a lot more than uh, Oregon does. But I think Bo Nix is more willing to use his feet than Michael Penix is. I think the biggest thing that Washington can do is remain consistent. Um, they have a tremendous wide receiver core. Um, should have no trouble matching or exceeding last year's scoring average at 39.7 uh, points per game. I don't see a reason why they can't hit 40. Um, they have three brand-new interior starters. Um on their offensive line, um, their defensive line, and their linebacking core has returned much of the same production. That being said, I think the biggest thing, again, for them to worry about is getting burned for deep. Uh, they were one of the middle-of-the-road teams, um, I think is a nice way to say that, mm -hmm. last year um, in – yards uh, given up per pass but I think that as long as they maintain a 10 point differential like what they did last year there's no reason for them not to win a lot of games this year here's why I think you're wrong okay uh, <laughs> no that's no, fine no, no. no I I <laughs> Jay already given me the simmer down I mean, I, and I don't think I could I 100% see a world where Washington Washington is my dark horse. I will say that. Washington's your dark horse? Yes. No, I'll tell you who my dark horse is, and you're going to love it. You're going to love who my dark Please horse is. Please tell me. Please tell me. No. I, I, let me. Let me. I, okay. I, I, right. we'll I, get to, I know who you're talking about. Yes, we'll get to that. Because way. I am high on. Uh, they are my Pac 12 champions. Really? This year. Yes. They are my Pac 12. No. We swapped this year. They're my Pac 12 champions this year. No Anyways. way. Anyway, no. sorry. So here's, here's. I think Oregon is so solid on defense with Dan Lanning up there in Eugene, yeah. but they are so deadly. They are like venom in Oregon, averaging over 500 yards a game last year, 38 points, which ranked sixth nationally. Um, right, no, I'm sorry, ranked sixth and tenth in, in categories, both rushing and uh, passing as well. That is the most points that or an Oregon team has scored in a year on average, since 2015. Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, Cole, who was quarterback then? Yeah. Um, Michael Penix Jr., his stats for – his rushing stats for last year, we talked about rushing, okay? For Washington, not Oregon. For Washington, Michael yes. Penix. His rushing stats, the quarterback for Washington, he had 35 carries from 92 yards. Bo Nix had 89 carries – for 510 yards. He was 200 yards off of their second string running back. Okay? Their second string had 139 carries for 779 yards. He was 200 and some odd, yard, some odd yards off from passing second place. I just think Bo Nix is much more of a threat. He had 14 rushing touchdowns. I think Bo Nix just overall is a much more complete package than Michael Penix Jr. Now, having said that, would I love to have Michael Penix for a quarterback of West Virginia? Maybe. I think he's a solid quarterback. I think he I think the I think the key is though, I think he fits well in Kalen DeBoer's system. Yes. Because when he was at Indiana, he was turnover prone, a lot of interceptions, a lot of fumbles. 100%. Was not great at Indiana. 
transfers to Washington, doesn't make a big splash uh, when he transfers. Nobody really thinks anything of it that Michael Penix, and then boom, he comes out this year. They lights go, the world on fire. Lights the world on fa- fire, lights the Pac-12 on fire. They uh, go down to the Texas Bowl. Uh, Cole, give me a big horns, horns down. down. They beat Thank Texas you. in the process, okay, while they're at the, t- while they're at the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> No, oh, it's the second time. I repeat, the second time Texas may have lost the Alamo. Um, but um, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe not, but it's okay. But I'm just saying. I don't think it's. A, I don't think how, it's a case of like too soon because I don't I mean, think it's the case of too soon. Okay, but yeah. granted, I don't live in Texas. I don't know. Um, I might get a sweet chin music for that one, but. Uh, <laughs> Oh, but Lord. Washington was dynamic last year. Their defense was not as deadly as uh, their defense was not as deadly as Oregon's. Um, so that's why I think Oregon is much more complete with Dan Lanning at the helm. Defense is much better off. Now I'm not saying when Mario Cristobal was there at Oregon that it was bad. With Dan Lanning, just a defensive minded yeah, coach. You know their defense is going to be even better than what was last year. And it was solid defense. I'm not saying it's like incredible defense. They still got burned on the deep balls. But they did they did good enough. They they stood up against um did they stand up against Utah last year? I can't remember who they played last year. Uh if you can pull up their schedule from last year that would be great. But they they their defense was able to stand up, you know, it was they stand tall against a lot of explosive offenses. One offense they did not stand up tall against uh in the season opener. Georgia. Yeah, well, but let's be honest. Let's be honest. Who was going to stop that beast? LSU couldn't stop them. Tennessee couldn't stop them. TCU couldn't stop them. Ohio State was about the only one that came close. That Ohio State-Missouri. Ohio State-Missouri were the only two teams that really came close to stopping what was the Georgia steamroller. I am trying to find it. Here we go. University of Oregon. Um, uh, ten and three, uh, start off the season lost three to forty nine against Georgia. Mm-hmm. Win against Eastern Washington seventy to fourteen. Win against BYU forty one to twenty. Win against Washington State forty four forty one. Win against Stanford forty five twenty seven. Win against Arizona forty nine twenty two. Win against UCLA forty five thirty. Win against Cal. Another prolific offense from last 100%, year. One hundred percent, especially with DTR. Um, win against Cal. 42-24, win against Colorado, probably not going to happen this year, 49-10. Wait, 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 go back to that, go back to that, that's interesting. Why not a win against Colorado this year? Maybe not this year, definitely within the next two years. They're not going to get a win against Colorado this year? I think they're going, let me let me retract that statement. The, the elephant in the room of Colorado, Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders. Not I think Deion's first year at Colorado is going to be productive. Definitely going to prove over last year. Don't think he's going to win the Pac-12 this year. No. That being said, it wouldn't surprise me if Colorado turned into the Purdue of the Pac-12. Well, they can't. Because the Pac-12 is dead. They're going to the Big 12. 
as of this year. <laughs> Cole, I'm, I hate to tell you, but the Pac-12... No, the Pac-12 is dead. Yeah. There, there's nothing that anyone can do about it. That being said, for the 2023-2024 season, it would not surprise me if Colorado upset a few teams. Oh, 100%. Because they are markedly better than a few of the Pac-12 teams. Yes. Um, going back to Oregon, lost 34-37 to Washington, won 20-17 against Utah, so they did stand tall. They did stand tall against that Utah. That being said, 20-17, three-point yeah. difference. Yep. But we know what kind of beast you, what kind of beast the Utes had last year, and what they will be again oh, with this Cam year. Rising, yeah, and then they lost to my Pac-12 champions, thirty-four, thirty-eight, Oregon State. Woohoo! Go Beavs! Go Beavs! Um, sorry, I know that was kind of a off-topic thing, but at the same time, I see I see where you're coming from. Yes, I, I don't think that you are wrong, and it wouldn't shock me if Oregon turned out to be in you know, the top three in the title hunt, yeah. essentially. Um, I just think that Washington is a more complete team than Oregon is at this point. But I see, I think Oregon is the more complete team than Washington is. And we are going to go back and back and forth on this. But you know who we're not going to go back and back and forth on this, call? Please I'm, tell me. Please tell me you're they, going to bring it up. They... This year, my dark horse team, as they were for you last year, I'm riding the wave. Yes! I'm riding the wave. Give me the Oregon State Beavers. Yes! The Oregon State Beavers this year. And you know why? And I know he didn't do much when he's at Clemson, but they bring in DJ, DJ Uyangole. All right? Uh, could this be a revenge season or a... Um, just a bitter season for the Beavers as they are one of the pack four that are still left standing trying to find a home. Um, they are bringing in DJ Uyangale. Mm-hmm. They also have sophomore running back Damian Martinez, one of the nation's standout freshman running backs last year. He posted 982 yards. Um, coming back for a sophomore season, no reason why they can't replicate the magic that uh, Uyangale and... Oh, God, I'm blanking on the running back uh, from Clemson. You just said it. No, running back. No, no, you just said it. DJ Uyangale and um, Damian Martinez. No, no, no. Running back from Clemson. Oh. Uh, um, Shipley. Shipley. There yep. we go. Shipley. Yep. Um, I don't see a reason why they can't. They have that one-two punch. Um, they have a halfway decent wide receiver core. Uh, Trent Bray. Uh, on their defense, has been solid for the past three years. Um, they also bring back Deshaun Fenwick, who had over he had seven touchdowns and 553 yards last year. I don't see – yeah, no. Uh, Oregon State allowed the fewest points per game in conference matchups among Pac-12 teams. They were mm-hmm. a absolute monster in conference games last year. They were the ones that upset them. And this year, I still think they're my dark horse. And I would love to see Oregon State. I would love to see an Oregon State-Washington State Pac-12 championship. Oregon State-Washington State or Oregon State-Washington? Oregon State and Washington State. Because for, they're still standing. Because, they're sti- because they are still in the Pac-12. They have no place to go. They're in the Pac-4. Excuse me. Cal and Stanford trying to do their own thing. I was saying, uh, I was saying, four horsemen. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, Siri. Siri said she was sorry, guys. Oh, that's uh, fair. Um, 
she she apologizes for the Pac-12. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but no, or the the Beavers are are my dark horse team. I'm just I'm excited to see what they do in the in the Pac-12 this year. Um, you know, that's maybe something I'll do this year is I'll root for, I'll I'll obviously root for West Virginia and pull against all the rivals. You know, you're um, rooting for LSU too. Yeah. Rooting for LSU, but out of all out of the other conferences, maybe there's a team that I pick that I root for. In the you know, yeah. I th- I think for for me in the ACC it's going to be the NC State, okay. Um, in the Big Twelve it's obviously West Virginia, in the SEC it's also obviously obviously LSU, okay. Oh, you're about to say Alabama? I was about no, to come across absolutely the table not. Go Rose. Uh, LSU, LSU is the SEC West, SEC East. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, sidebar, mom uh, just texted me. Guess where they're staying tonight. Are they staying in Baton Rouge? Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Tell her tell her to wear all LSU. Well, to actually tell her she might want to put it away. That might not be a <laughs> – that is a knife. <laughs> that's, that's not a safe place to be wearing that. Um. Anyway, sorry. Um, Pac-12, I'll pull for the Beavers. I'll pull for the Beavers in Oregon State. Big Ten, I don't I don't know. Uh, maybe I haven't picked on that. Maybe Illinois. Maybe the fighting Illinois. Fighting Illinois. Illinois. Um. I don't Penn, nah, not Penn State because I I want them to lose week one. Uh, maybe Wisconsin, Nebraska, maybe one of them. I don't know. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I already got it. Who? Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> That's independent. You. <laughs> Out of the independence, Colts, Notre Dame, UMass, UConn, New Mexico State. Oh Lord, Army. Um, ACC, if, if we are doing this, ACC, I'll pull for Wake Forest. Big 12. The w- Demon Dinkins. Come on Dinkins. now. Um, Big 12, W, of course. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Big 10, I got to pull for Michigan State. I'm sorry. Really? Yeah. Hey, Ethan will love you for that one. Um, Let's see. Pac-12. Man. You can do it again. You can do it again. You know you want to. I want to. I want you so bad. Give me the Beavers. Yes. Me the Beavers. Yes. Um, SEC. LSU. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah, come on. Obviously. Um, but yeah, no. It it should be um, going back to the Pac-12. Yes. Um, Pac-12 Panther Pot over here. Yeah. Pac-12. We're just talking about everything else. Maybe that's why they're splitting up. Maybe that's why. You had an accident in the booth over here. Uh, Did you stub your toe. Jay stubbed his toe. Oh, oh buddy. All, for, all, all for the uh, he all said for the Baja blast. All for the Baja blast. Jay said Baja. Baja. Um, <laughs> no. What team do you want to talk about next? All right. So we've talked about Oregon State. Uh, I want to save one team for last, and we've talked about them a little bit. But there's one team I want to save for last here. Um. So. This is not the last team that we're going to talk about, but this is a team that um, I do want to talk about. That is Utah. Okay, I was I was going to say the team you're saving for last. That is Utah or no? No, the team I'm saving for last is not Utah. I repeat, it is not Utah. I'll tell I'll tell you who in a minute. Okay, all right. You don't get to know before anybody else. I'm just trying to make sure you know. You don't get to know before any any of the other listeners. Okay, and this this may run as a short episode. We're only a half hour in. So oh lord, we got to stretch this out. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Pac-12 is the smallest conference in college football right now. So, and Pac-4, the the yeah. Pac-4. Um, anyways, Utah. They return Cam Rising. They come off of a 
um, kind of a meh ending to the season. You win the Pac-12, great. But then you lose horrendously in the Rose Bowl. Cam Rising gets hurt in the Rose Bowl, and Penn State just walks all over you in the Rose Bowl and comes out with a Rose Bowl win. Well, we all knew that as soon as Cam Rising went down, Penn State was winning the game. Yeah, because Cam Rising was really the only one that at the at the moment who was keeping them in the game. Yeah, um, and that was Utah's season all year long, just riding the arm of Cam Rising and the legs, I should say. Yes. But I think Utah, along the same vein as you, I think they're flying under a lot of people's radars, and no one truly appreciated how good their last season was. Yeah. They're also going to – they return uh, tight end Brant Kuwithi. I think is how you say his name, uh, tight end. But this offers a huge boost to the pass game, passing game, not just in not in just pass catching, just as a, another viable receiver, yeah. but also for pass blocking as well, okay? Uh, along that same vein, they're also returning to Quindon Jackson, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who is very, very good at – uh, RPO, uh, running out of the wheel, doing any of the – like he is the running back you would want to have on your team because he's so versatile. Um, no, I – they have seven returning starters. The biggest issue that I have is can Utah keep up with USC, Oregon, and Washington. I think they are I think they are one of the teams that are they are the top four right now. It is USC, Washington, Oregon, and Utah. UCLA can bounce in and out of there. I thought about talking about them tonight. But I think it depends. Uh just quick sidebar on UCLA. I think it depends a lot on how Chip Kelly is going to replace DTR. Because that's not an easy gap to fill. No, it's not. But this really, this style of college football really, um, I think it really suits uh, Chip Kelly's style. 100%. When it comes to recruiting, he doesn't love recruiting, but he also doesn't want, he doesn't love recruiting, but he really loves the tra- how the transfer portal is. He, he runs almost that NFL m- model of um, – Well, you saw what he did with the Eagles. Yeah. Back in, um, well, I know you didn't see it because you don't like NFL. I don't like NFL, but I was aware of who he was. I was aware of who he was. But what I'm saying is, is that he has um, that NFL mindset of, like, the most money will get the most players. So the transfer portal kind of helps him out there with the – or the, the NIL, I guess I should say. The NIL rather than recruiting. The NIL, the NIL aspect helps UCLA and Chip Kelly out a lot more. It kind of fits more of his style. Uh, is there a possibility that we see a Kelly-Kelly Bowl or a Kelly Bowl this year? Brian yeah. Kelly, LSU. Yeah. All depends on how well they do this year. Ooh. Ooh, not that one. No. Um, no, I – sorry. Going back from UCLA to – oh, God, who did you Utah. say? Yeah, Utah. Um. Utah, I think, has been one of – oh, my gosh. My phone is – I'm sorry. I'm Utah has a, has a hard – they play a hard schedule coming out the gate. They get Florida at home week one. So next week, Thursday night on August 31st, it's going to be the one of the first football games in the entire year. 
Okay. So they get Florida at home. I look for the Utes to win in that one, but it's not going to be an easy game. Not going to be an easy game. All right. Then they have to travel to Waco to get Baylor, uh, take on the Baylor Bears. That's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a tough one as well. Future conference opponent right there. Next year, that will be a conference game, Utah and Baylor. Then they get Weber State in week three. Again, that's a win right there. They get UCLA at home, another big test for them. Uh, then they get Oregon State, another big test. Cal, uh, I'm pretty sure they'll win that one. Then they get a, they have to travel to L.A. to go to see, go see USC. Um, then they get Oregon. Arizona State, eh. Then they get Washington and Arizona. Utah's got a rough schedule. As of right now, as of right now, in their schedule, they play one, two, three, four. Mm, okay. Uh, they play four preseason top 20 teams. Dang. Top 20. Okay, Oregon State is number 18. USC is number six, Oregon is 15th, and Washington is number 10. All conference, too. All conference so games. That's, gonna, that's definitely going to play an impact as to if they make it, uh, if they make it to the Pac-12 championship yes. game. If, you, if UCLA, Utah, Oregon State, Oregon, USC, Washington had been playing this grade of football this entire time, the Pac-12 would not be dead. They would no. be up there as as the third best conference in college 100%. football, behind the SEC, behind the 12. SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. Big Ten. Here's why I say Big Ten. Big tw- Well, Big Ten and Big Twelve are tied in my eyes because here's why. Big Ten has three dominant teams: Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Yeah, and they're all in the East. That's it. That's your three teams. There is no solid teams below that. You know, we had Michigan State for a little bit there uh, two years ago, but Big Ten's just got those three teams. Now, here's what I will say, though. Those are three elite teams. Yeah. Okay? The Big 12 and the new Big 12, they will not have that, but they have really good teams that are 14 deep. Okay? Any year, one of those teams, at Kansas now apparently, that's why I say 14, any one of those teams is going to really, it's not going to be a cakewalk anywhere. Yeah. U- Utah can't travel to uh, Manhattan and go, yeah, we'll beat these guys. No, it, it is not a cakewalk in the Big 12. Uh, Arizona can't walk into Baylor and go, oh, yeah, we'll beat these guys. No. If anything, it's the other way around. Baylor's like, oh, yeah, we got Arizona, no problem. Okay? Yeah. So it's if Pac-12 had been playing great – deep conference football, they wouldn't be in this position. They wouldn't be in this position whatsoever. And also, too, if Texas had agreed to a Pac-16 deal, had they created the Pac-16, the Big 12 probably would have died off in the Pac, and we got Pac-16 as the top dominant conference in the country rather than the SEC. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think that the SEC, after you see – Here's the thing that scares me about realignment so much. Um, the SEC is not making as many moves as other conferences are. We are absorbing Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12, which you could make the case that those two teams – well, no, I don't think you have to make the case. I think it's a fact. Texas and Oklahoma – That's just a fact of life, Cole. Yeah. Let me talk to you. Um 
Texas yeah. and Oklahoma were the powerhouses of the Big 12 for years. Oklahoma was. When it comes to fan interest, fan bases, and, you know, um, not necessarily – for Oklahoma, yeah, it was on the field and it was their fan base. But for Texas, you can walk down the street and probably meet a Texas fan. It's a good in, possibility. In any city that yeah. you're in. Yeah. Um, and the SEC is absorbing that. Great. We are not getting anybody from the Pac-12. We're not getting anybody from the ACC. We haven't brought up anybody from Group of Five. It's... We're, I'm worried that the SEC is going to get stagnant and all of a sudden, you know, we're going to see conferences like the Big 12, like the Big 10, jump us in popularity. You know, I don't think so. I don't think so. You've got Alabama in there. You've got Georgia. Tennessee's on the rise. You guys are always good. Texas A&M, if they can ever get that figured out, they got oil money and Jimbo down there with Bobby <laughs> Petrino. Dude, that is that is just reality TV down there. Oh, yeah. In, in, in Aggie land. Uh, you, then, then you've got Kentucky, who's also on the rise. Arkansas. You've got South Carolina. Arkansas is on the rise. All right, Florida, if they ever get back to where they used to be at. The only teams that you that really pull you behind are Mizzou, Vandy, uh, some kind. Of, some, I would say sometimes Kentucky, or uh, sometimes Kentucky, and sometimes South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, historically speaking. Yeah. Uh, Auburn, if they're ever good. So there's a, there's a lot of teams in there, and then the Mississippi, Mississippi schools. Those are the two, and out of an entire state, those are the two schools Which that will drag then, you down. Last year, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State were both hyper competitive, but this is Pac-12. I I just wanted to say my piece on the, you know, um, my eventual fear of the SEC becoming stagnant and irrelevant when you have all these, uh, basically three new super conferences all of a sudden, which is what the SEC was for years. And we kind of spurned everything by, or started everything off by, you know, Texas and Oklahoma. Going back to the Big 12, I think for Utah – this is a um, Pac-12. The, Pac-12. Did I say Big 12? Yep. Well, they will be Big 12 eventually. But Pac-12, going back to the Pac-12, I I could 100% see Utah winning the conference again for a third straight year in a row. And I feel like if they do it this year, this would be the year that they go to the playoffs. I think this year and the last year of the four team, in the four-team team playoff, I think... I think that Utah could make a run for it. Um, I think USC could make a run for it if they get that defense fixed, but I'm not convinced. I've seen, gosh, how long was Lincoln Riley there at Oklahoma? Six years, six, seven years? Oh, it had to be, yeah. Something like that, okay? I am not convinced with what I saw at Oklahoma defensive-wise with Alex Grinch. I'm not convinced that it's going to change at USC. So this year I don't say I don't think USC can go to the playoffs, but I think Utah can. I think Utah can. I think Oregon can. Possibly Washington, but I think out of the two, Utah and Oregon, if uh, Oregon State does really well, I could see them going to the playoff. But that would how, imagine how wild that would be, Oregon State in the playoff. Oh, man. That would be. Yeah, that would be, that would be insane. Absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. Um, but the last team I want to talk about, Cole, and it is, it is the team that you were thinking of. It is 
Prime time. Prime time Colorado Buffalo. Prime time buffs. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I started to look up for for the show today. I started to look up Colorado stats for 2022. You can't. I didn't bother. Didn't bother. You know why? Because they returned 10 players from that team. They returned 10 players from that team. Yep. Deion Sanders had took the definition of cleaning house to a whole new level. Whole new level. He brought in pretty much half of his roster, if not all of his roster, from Jackson State. We'll see how that transfers over. He DeShore Sanders uh, comes in. Travis Hunter. And Travis Hunter on the defensive side. But DeShore Sanders um, comes in at no, quarterback. Travis Hunter is playing uh, both ways. Oh, that's right. He is playing both ways. Wide receiver and That's quarter. right. Uh, he primarily plays on the defensive side. But, yes, he right. can play wide receiver. Yes. Um, but, yeah, anyway, DeShore Sanders. DeShore Sanders comes in. Dion names him as starting quarterback. We'll see. Going from an FCS level, and don't get me wrong, Dion did great things at Jackson State, and I think he's going to do great. Like, here's the thing. I think for Dion Sanders, just because of who he is, because of the way he can recruit and the way he can utilize uh, the transfer portal, I think that makes him – I think he's going to be really good at Colorado. Um, being in that Denver market, being in Colorado, I think he can market that as a really great thing. We saw what happened there at uh, in the spring game. Sold out spring game on live TV on ESPN, the mainstream channel. Um, I think it's a. I think Deion Sanders is going to do really well there. Now, does he toe the line sometimes? Yeah, I would say most of the time he toes the line. Um, but they return 10 scholarship players. Now, a lot of people are dogging him for that. But let's be honest, Cole. Why would you want to keep the team that was there last year? They went one and eleven. Yeah, one and eleven. Why would you want to return most of those? Why would you want to return most of those players from a one and eleven team? Okay, that that means seventy five players from Colorado's team left, and they bring in fifty new, fifty three, fifty three new players onto that roster. Just for a uh, frame of reference. Colorado is a clear number one team in transfer yes. um, rankings. Both in amount of transfers they get and quality. And quality. That's that's another thing you gotta think about too, is they're not just getting they're not just cleaning house and then backfilling. Okay. Yeah. They are bringing in Dion is getting good quality teams. And why wouldn't you? If you're if you're a guy oh, yeah. who wants if to go can, play at the pro go football, it. go play go play for Dion. How cool would it be? Even if you don't go to the NFL, how cool would it be to tell your kids or your parents or your you know friends back home, hey, I got to play for Dion Sanders. I know Dion Sanders. So touching on the transfer portal, just to kind of put things in perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, as you said, Colorado, 53. Do you know, are you actively looking at transfer right now? No, but uh, it's either Florida State or LSU who's number two. No, I'm looking at Pac-12. You're looking at Pac-12. I don't know who's number two. It's got a USC, isn't it? Number two is USC. They bring in 15 commits versus Colorado's 53. That that is insanity. This has never been done before in the history of college football. And you know what? Why this is so important too, Cole? 
because we're going to find out this year if it actually works. And USC is fourth in the nation. Like, it, it's not it's not anything to where, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, you have teams like, to be fair, LSU is second with 14 commits. <laughs> um, Ole Miss is third with 23. USC is fourth with 15. Yeah. Like, that's a normal year. What Colorado is doing, unprecedented. Unprecedented. And we're and, and like you said, we're gonna find out if it works. We saw that it would it worked how a on a smaller scale would it look like at USC last year, okay, and what that took them to. What is it gonna take what is it gonna look like for Colorado? Um, I personally think there's a lot to mesh there. I think Dion can work wonders, but I think the ceiling for Colorado this year is a bowl game. Yeah. I think six and six. I think both the ceiling and the floor is a bowl game. And here's why I say the floor is a bowl game. If Dion turns around and goes, uh, misses a bowl by a win or two, um, I think Colorado is going to start questioning whether or not it's worth it. Because you have to think about the amount of money that Colorado is now all of a sudden going to gain from football, sure, but also putting into Deion Sanders and this experiment. Like, Deion has essentially been written a blank check here. Pretty much, yeah. But I, I think regardless, it, you there will be growth this year. Deion's not going 1-11. No, absolutely. Deion's not going 1-11, but there will be growth. I think um, – I would hate for my team for growth to be a four and eight season. Yeah, but that is still growth. That's three more games than what you won last year. It's three hundred percent increase. I don't think. I think they're going to light the world on fire in the sense that it's like, got this kind of works that the transfer portal does work. Yeah, but I don't think. I, I don't think that they just go twelve and zero and run run through the Pac twelve and anything like that. I think they do. I think they show flashes, mm-hmm. and I think their ceiling is a bowl game. I think. I think the the floor is three and nine. So here is my one detriment about Colorado and this transfer portal experiment, right? Say this works. Say Colorado goes to a bowl game, decimates the entire season, and goes on to make an appearance in the Pac-12 championship game. Does college football turn into a – and I, I know NBA isn't one of the things that you keep up with either, but does college football turn into a NBA-style organization where you have players who are, you know, four-star, five-star productive athletes just jumping ship and chasing rings? Like you saw in 2016-2017 uh, with Kevin Durant joining the Golden State Warriors. Well, and you could you could say that too for uh, for and Tampa can, Bay when everybody was jumping ship to exactly, go to see Tampa Bay exactly. and your ring jumping. Um, yeah, you could see college football really dive head first, and I think we're heading that way as much as I hate it, but into a pro style model yeah. of how we handle money. Yeah. Now, will we ever get to a point where we have to outright pay players? I don't think so because I don't yeah. think colleges and universities, no matter how much money they make, are not going to do that because no. then that doesn't put money into their pockets. Yeah. For Colorado, though, 
I think it 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 will put a lot more pressure on other coaches, and that's fair, but not fair at the same time. Okay, look at Neil. Uh, we'll use West Virginia for an example. Look at Neil Brown. Look at Dion. Uh, West Virginia is a much better program than Colorado. Okay, Colorado has won a national championship, but just overall, WVU is a much better program. No, that's fair overall than Colorado. Um, when you look at Neil Brown, he's been here for five years. We've not had great issue. We've not had great luck with the transfer portal. We have more guys leave than what we bring in. You then look at Deion Sanders in his very first year. And if you don't know who Deion Sanders is, and you just look at Neil Brown and, and what Deion Sanders has done, and you go, all right, Deion brought in all these transfer transfer guys from the portal. He utilized them, and look what look how much better they got from it. Then you look at West Virginia and go, why can't you do that? What's wrong with you? We need to get another coach. So it puts on so much more pressure on all of these other coaches. However, it is unfair because that is Deion Sanders. Yeah. Nobody else other than Saban can do that. Say Saban can do that. If there are two people who call on your phone and it is Dion or Saban, that is a hard choice to make. I'm taking Dion every time. I know you're taking Dion. I know you're taking taking Dion. I, I I see what you mean though. There is if if Saban goes to Coastal Carolina, you best bet Coastal Carolina might have the best roster in all of FBS. One hundred percent. If Dion and we're looking at it right now, Dion. Dion went from Jackson State to Colorado, and it's a good possibility. Colorado, Colorado historically is a good program, but what for the past twenty years? Not great. Yeah, not great. They've fallen off the wagon severely. Fallen off the wagon severely. Go Buff. Yeah. Um. I. But you know, it'll be interesting. I. This is sad. That this, this is the last year of the Pac-12. Um. But it should be a fun year. And I, I really hate that. I really, yeah. really hate that um, because we have not seen another conference die like this since the Big East. They are going to go out with a bang. They're going to go out with a big well, – we hope they go out with a big bang. Um, I would love it if the Pac-12 could somehow rebuild. Yeah, I, I think if Stanford, Cal, if Stanford and Cal can't get into the ACC, I think they look for a way to rebuild the Pac-12. But – Continue with your point because I think you're going the same place I'm going. I don't think that there are enough big market teams in Group of Five to successfully rebuild the Pac-12, especially out west. Well, and I don't. I think you could throw geography out the point at that. Yeah, uh, no, you can. Big market. When all right, when I'm thinking big market right now, I'm thinking San Diego State. Okay. I'm thinking Tulane and SMU. So right there, you've got San Diego, Dallas, and New Orleans. Yeah, but what's to keep SMU for from joining the SEC? They're not going to the because the SEC wouldn't want them. Yeah. Um, then you get or the Big Twelve. And then see, that's that's a solid point there too. Um, but I think the Big Twelve doesn't expand. I think if they expand again, they're not going to go with a group of five. They're going to go from an ACC team, in my personal opinion. Um, and then Memphis would be the next biggest team. After that, you start looking at records and how good are records. Um, then you look at Boise. You could reach into the bag and go FCS and look at a Montana, Montana State, North Dakota State, something like that. Um, but uh, you could go NLV, UNLV. Yeah, that's that's another big market. Not a great team, but that is another, another big market. And you could backfill that way. But that looks that looks like a glorified Group of Five conference. Yeah. 
compared to uh, a Power Five. So I think they uh, will have to see. They have not lost their autonomy yet, uh, which makes them the, one of the Power Five. So instead of Power Five, it's also called Autonomy Five. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I don't know, though. I don't know. But yeah, it's like sad slash year of the Pac-12, as we know it. It's definitely scary as a traditional college football fan to see where the game is heading. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, you have truly four or five, you can make the case for five, of the best programs in the nation in your conference actively, or at least the best offenses. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, three hours go by and you're a dead conference. Yeah. Or a week goes by and you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. sad to see it happen, but it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. We'll just talk about it and complain. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap up this show. For that, I'm Owen Spelling. My name's Cole Connor. And this has been the Pac 12 preview of the Panther Pod.